Welcome to the L Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Kafko. This podcast is about L's, letting go what doesn't serve you, learning who we are and what we want out of life, leveling up to live it to the fullest, and most importantly, loving ourselves in the process. So let's figure out this thing called life together. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. So it's been a while since I've had a guest. And so I'm very excited to have a good friend of mine that I've known. I don't know, has it been like two years, three years, maybe? I haven't kept track, but it feels like forever. Um, My friend, Brittany. And we actually haven't met in person. We've been Instagram friends for a couple of years now, but we've bonded through a lot of different things. And one of those things is childhood trauma. And we'll talk about that today. So Brittany, first of all, thank you for not only joining us today, but like being willing to talk about this topic because it's it's uncomfortable and it's not something, especially in the Hispanic community that we talk about. You know, it's very much put everything under the rug and pretend nothing happened and just somehow move on. So thank you for sharing your story today. I really appreciate that. Yes, I'm very happy to be here and I'm glad that you asked me um, because I think this is a topic that more people needed to hear about, but are sometimes unwilling to share because of the stigmatisms that come with that and sharing about childhood trauma. Yeah. So to kind of just jump right into it, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So hi, my name is Brittany. Um, I live uh, in Round Rock, Texas, which is very near Austin. But Round Rock just got put on the map because the Today Show named it the number one city to live in the U.S. So that's where I'm at. Um, (laughs) I am a music teacher and a recent Zumba instructor. Um, So that is what I fill my time with. Um, But it's taken me a lot to get to where I am today. Um, So starting way back when um, I had my parents and my brother growing up, um, but at the age of nine, I lost my parents in a tragic accident and life just completely took a turn from there. And um, several other things have kind of happened along the way that I would consider traumatic, but I think losing your parents at such a young age is kind of like tops the charts for traumatic events. Yeah, especially both at the same time, which can be really, really hard. Um, And at nine, that's such a like weird age because you're, you you know kind of what's going on around you like you're starting to become aware of things but you're not completely an adult right like you 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 can't just take care of yourself like you still need to depend on other people so from this experience and like you said it's taken you a while to get to where you are now and can i just ask like what where are you now in this like whole processing healing journey so I would say healing is never finished. Um, time is always yeah. on your side. You know, the the further away you are from an incident or something that happens, like it doesn't hurt as much. But I mean, there are times even within the last, you know, three, four months where I'm crying at yeah. CVS randomly because I miss my mom or um, yeah. so th- the pain never goes away. I guess it just becomes a little less painful. Um, but it still affects me in my day-to-day life. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I am very happy. I have a husband and a dog that I love. And that is yeah. my family that I've created. Um, 
but even that, like the, the relationship that I have with my husband is different than, you know, if my parents were still around, because it's like, you know, my parents couldn't come to my wedding. Um, you know, if we ever have kids, like they're not going to have grandparents on my side. So these things that you don't think about situationally until you get older. So, yeah. And I think that's something I've really struggled with. Like these are supposed to be happy moments in our lives, right? Like getting married, buying my first house. But I feel like they're always going to be like tainted a little because it's never a full moment because you don't have, you know, your full family. Sometimes it feels like that. And so how would you say childhood trauma has impacted your life today? Like, does it still impact you? Like you mentioned being at CVS. I mean, those long ass receipts make me cry, but also yeah, shopping. I can't go shopping without thinking like, oh man, my mom would love this. Or I remember this time, you know, my mom tried this ugly ass dress on, you know? And yeah, it's those <laughs> moments. So the the way that it's kind of affected me now, and I had this conversation with a friend recently, is I don't even know what a parent-child relationship is supposed to look like. Um, and my idea of how moms and daughters and dads and daughters relate comes strictly from the television that I watch. And it- That can be problematic. Like, it is. It can be problematic, especially for the fact that maybe, you know, I'm going to be a mom someday. Like, I don't know what it, what a mother-daughter relationship looks like or is supposed to be like. And I know everyone is going to be different, um, but that's something that I feel like I'm missing out on and that there's no way to make up for that. Like, I, I can't get that in any other way. So. And when I like started dealing with that as I got older and started thinking about kids, for some reason, I always had it in my mind. Okay. I don't have my mom, but when I get a mother-in-law, that's just going to fix everything. Like I'm going to have a mom again and it's going to be great. And I love my mother-in-law, but she's not my mom. Right. And so I had this expectation of she's supposed to be my mom. Like it's supposed to just go back to how it was and it did not And I was so hurt, not only because my real, I was putting this extra pressure on my mother-in-law to be someone who she's not. And she's, you know, perfectly fine the way she is. But I, it reminded me that of the loss, like that much more of not yeah, having I, of my mom. I completely like agree with that fact. Um, my mother-in-law is fantastic, but she lives in North Carolina and I'm in mm -hmm. Texas. And so, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't visit more than maybe once or twice a year. And it's like, it's hard to have that close relationship with someone yeah. if they're not in your bubble. Yeah. And I think no one really understands that loss because even, even just both of us, like we have childhood trauma, they're very different, even though it's sometimes we have some of the similar outcomes as adults of how it's impacted us. But like, for me, my childhood trauma, I'm very thankful that like, I don't remember a lot of it. Like my brain, I was just so young that my brain has like blocked it out, which I think is a blessing. But on the other hand, like I don't know most of my childhood. So I feel robbed that when I have kids, I don't know what I'm supposed to like do. And so I know that I'm going to have to like not try to live vicariously through my kids. Like I'm going to spoil them. I know that, but I don't want to put that pressure on them either of like, you need to have as much fun because I didn't have fun as a kid, right? Like that's not fair to them. I think another way that childhood trauma affected me is I really feel like I didn't get to have a childhood. Like yeah. as soon as my parents died, like I became an independent little adult. 
like you went into survival mode yeah you had yeah to. I mean to to break it down um my parents died in a murder suicide um so my dad shot my mom and then killed himself um I did not see it but I heard the gunshots and so add on that to the trauma and the level of like I very clearly remember what happened that night like that everything went down and you know I hold that as a painful core memory um but I think everything inside me changed it came up totally about surviving and you know thankfully like I you know I went to a good place like my parents had wills all set up ready to go like where the kids go when the parents die because that's not always the case so I was always taken care of financially um but always in survival mode does something for your brain and your body and your response system that you can't undo (laughs) I feel like sometimes I feel like that you know that one monkey toy that's just hitting the symbols like that's survival mode but now it's stuck and like I can't get out of it even though I'm not in danger anymore like I'm an adult I don't have to rely on adults to take care of me unless it's a sugar but that's a different story right and so like I can take care of myself now but my body and my brain just haven't always caught up with me that like, I'm okay. Like I have a good life. I have a great husband and family and I don't have to be in survival mode all the time, but it's hard to break that when you've been in it for so long. Right. So what has helped you get to kind of where you are? Is there anything in particular that you think helped more than other things? So for me, it was talking about it. I know a lot of people kind of mm. shut down and don't want to, but I was really raised in a religious household. I went to church, you know, from as long as I can remember. And in middle school, I finally started sharing the truth about what happened to me. Imagine a nine-year-old meeting other th- nine-year-old friends. The first thing you you don't want to say is, hi, my parents died because my dad killed my mom. Like, so for the I mean, longest time- That's how you time- make some interesting friends, but Yeah. <laughs> For the longest time, my story was, oh, my parents died in a car crash. I had to move. Yeah. And so I build this, this innate line that would, that grew because I did yeah. not feel comfortable sharing the truth. Yeah. But once it started coming out, I think I was like in sixth grade, I wrote out like my, my story, my testimony. And, and then I was like somehow asked to share this testimony. And so I started getting in front of audiences of my peers and sometimes of adults and just sharing what happened to me, I don't know, like, not that there was a piece in that, but like it brought healing somehow. And maybe it was, you know, all the hugs that I would get afterwards or like the, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Um, I think more than anything, it was just being heard, like acknowledging, hey, shitty things happened to me. It was not okay. But like now I'm talking about it. And I think one day I'll be able to, you know, get through this. Yeah, I think one thing that's helped me is therapy. So apparently I was in therapy out the womb, I feel. (laughs) And I've been in therapy for a long time. And it wasn't until probably the last couple of years where I hate, I hate this part when you lose a therapist and you have to like start all over and like, okay, now I have to tell you my story all over again. But the last time I've had to do that, the therapist told me like, I just want to let you know that the fact that you have anxiety and depression now as an adult, like that is a normal response for what you've been through. Like you're validated in having this response. And what you went through was childhood trauma. 
Like what was done to you is childhood trauma that's traumatizing. And I was like, oh, really? Like this doesn't just happen to everyone? Like, I don't know why I never made the connection that like I went through something traumatic. So it makes sense that I'm traumatized. Like I never made that connection, but it helped me give myself that like permission that, oh, I need to heal because I've been through something traumatic. I have been in and out of therapy probably for 15 years. And I took quite a long break when I lost a therapist. And I was like, you know what? Like I've done enough work. Like I'm the struggle to find a therapist Mm -hmm. is so difficult. It's like dating, but like worse. Um, But I finally found a therapist that also at, acts as like a, a psychiatrist and psychologist okay and so the comfortability with that person like grew a little bit stronger and the ability to tell my story without judgment and to get feedback from like a, a neutral third party because like you can talk to family you can talk to friends but like when you talk to someone that's just like just looking at the facts just looking at you know your emotional cues your verbal cues and giving you feedback there's something really significant about that Um, So I'm right on board with you on therapy being useful. Yeah, I didn't realize until therapy. I feel like therapy is really helpful to like hold a mirror up to yourself of like, okay, what are you actually looking at? Because you're right. Family and friends are going to be biased. Like, no, you're great. You know, this didn't really happen. That person's, it's not that person's fault. It's your fault, right? And so therapy was the first time where they told me like, I thought I was just a nice person. Like, I like helping people. I'm a nice person. And they're like, no, you're a people pleaser because that's what someone in survival mode does, right? And so when I was in foster care and I I just wanted someone to adopt me, I wanted someone to take me home. So if I did something to make them happy, to make them like me, then maybe they would and I wouldn't be here anymore. And so I acknowledge that now and I'm like, oh shit, like how much of my personality traits, right, are actually childhood trauma. And you don't know that until you go to someone who's professionally trained to do that kind of stuff. And, it's and so then helpful. it's hard to work your way through that because that's oh been your, your mode the whole time. Right. And I'm like, well, I know I'm a, I know I'm a good person. Like that's not my only, I'm not a people, I am a people pleaser, but that's not, you know, the whole reason why I hope not. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think what, what has helped me has definitely been therapy Um, what hasn't helped me is having like really shitty coping mechanisms. So for the longest time I would just drink, like I would drink and I would use that as an excuse to make bad choices. Like, oh, she's, she's drunk, right? Like she doesn't know better. Um, and it never helped, right? Like in the moment, sure. It may be helped, but then if anything came up, any other events, I wouldn't know how to handle them because the only thing I could handle was alcohol. Um, And so that took me a really long time to get over. And I thought that was supposed to help me with trauma because that's what, you know, movies tell you like, oh, you're sad. You got dumped. Here's some wine, right? Or wine and food. People do it with food too. I was going (laughs) to say food was the other one. Um, You know, binge eating, anything that, you know, quote unquote was bad for me. Um, And so now that I'm in this process of healing, I found myself really fucking pissed because I know I can't, I'm not supposed to drink about this. I know I'm not supposed to binge eat about this. So the only other option is to sit in it and just process it. And I'm like, I hate this. This is uncomfortable. I just want this to be done. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to, you know, 
deal with it. But that's are you really a journaler? Fun. No, my hand cramps up. <laughs> I I try journaling. I buy journals because I think I'm going to be a journaler. But there's just something about writing that I hate doing. I should probably just like have a Google Doc somewhere. But that, I've I've started both, but that really helps me too. I eventually want to write a memoir. Um, Same. To share my story, but to also shed light on mental health um, and, you know, the negative negative views that go towards that. Um, and so I've kind of gotten myself in the process of opening up my Word doc and just like jotting down thoughts, ideas, feelings. Um, it may be something to try. Yeah, I'll have to try the, the Google Doc. I, I also want to write a memoir. And so I've, I've kind of written some things here and there, but not consistently. But apparently I still need that because... I know I can't drink this away and I can't eat this away. So like, I really just have to sit through it, sit in my own shit. It's not good. It stinks. <laughs> the other way that I process things is by writing songs. Um, so I've been playing oh. piano for over 25 years and um, I had a miscarriage last year. And one of the ways that I got through that was writing a song for the unborn child that I would not have. And yeah. being able to share that on my YouTube and like just with close friends, it was like, a kind of closure yeah, that I don't think I couldn't have gotten. Yeah. Anywhere yeah, else, yeah so. Great point. I, I used to be a really big art person, like painting and drawing and I, I haven't gotten back to it and I, I miss it. Like I do know I miss it. And just recently I found a really old hard drive from like high school and I was like, oh shit, what's on here? And I found a bunch of pictures. I found, I and I also found some poems I wrote. And so I used to be really big in poetry and I tried reading one and like, it was just really painful. Like yeah. this poor 17 year old is writing this stuff. Like that's some adult shit. Like I feel so like, how, I, how did I survive this far? I have no right. idea. Um, it's that whole growing up too fast thing. It is. And like, it just breaks my heart that I went through that. And I don't see it as I went through it. Like I see it as 17 year old Liz went through that right? Like a completely different person. Um, and it, yeah, it just breaks my heart. Like I can't imagine my nephew going through that and he's about that age. And I don't know if I think of 17 year old Liz. Yeah. I think of like an adult, like she needed to do what she needed to do, but that's still a child. Yeah. So what advice would you have for someone who just realize they have childhood trauma are trying to process it and you know want to get rid of bad coping mechanisms like what advice do you have for those people so my number one advice is don't do it alone whether mm. you have a friend or a family member or a therapist or even instagram friends as we have seen are very helpful yeah you will do yourself a disservice if you try to process your trauma alone um even yeah. just the the idea the fact of having like a sounding board that like, Hey, you need to vent or get some thoughts out, um, really, really helps. So that's my first thing is don't do it alone. The second thing is to have grace and understand that, you know, the, the phrase or the adage time heals all wounds, not a hundred percent true, but yeah. like time really does make a difference. The further you are away from a significant, you know, event, you have more of a perspective, um, and so for people that expect to like, if something really bad happened to just be better, you know, next week, next month, next year, like I'm 35 years old and my parents died when I was nine. What's the math there? 24 years. I can't do math. 
Sure. Um, a <laughs> long time. It like, it still hurts. And I still think of it like it happened yesterday. So time is an advantage and just, yeah, have grace with yourself. Yeah. Those are really great ones. I think also, like you said earlier, like it, healing never really ends, right? It just comes up in different ways. So like as a child or as a teenager, like Father's Day, I could not celebrate it. Like now I'm a little bit better at it. Same with Mother's Day and like my parents' birthdays and so on. But like, I didn't realize how much of new things would come up. Like the thoughts of them being grandparents, like that hurts too, but that's a whole new different kind of hurt, right? And so, yeah, showing yourself grace in those situations and just letting yourself feel what you feel because the opposite, I what I've been told in the past is to like, well, it's been, it'll be seven years this month that my mom passed away. Like I should be fine by now, right? Like there's no time that guarantees you're going to be fine. You might be better, but I, I don't think I'll ever be fine after losing my parents and just going when through it, trauma. When it comes to losing people, I always like to recommend to like, if you haven't done this already, Anytime you have a positive memory or even a negative one, if you have a memory, write it down because our brains, like the way we retrieve memories is so like fickle. Like you may remember something today and like three years ago, it wasn't there. And so for, for what I've done is anytime I have a memory of mom or dad, I write that down or I put it in my phone so that yeah. when I go back in a time where I forgot it, I'm like, oh, hey, look, that happened. And that's there. And I know for you, I think you said you don't have as many like pictures and stuff, you know, or so it's like, you're just got to rely on like whatever, whatever is left. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I didn't realize it. And this is a difference that like my husband and I have, because he still has his parents and he didn't necessarily have childhood trauma the way I did. But like, I value every single family photo that I have. I'm the one person that's always taking pictures at family gatherings because I know what it feels like to not have those, right? And so I have like a box of pictures that I have carried with me from every apartment, every house, and I still have them because that's all I have left of my family, right? Of my childhood. And a lot of the times, like, I don't even remember this, but I have evidence, like I played violin. (laughs) I know I did this, Um, but yeah, you're right. I love that idea of writing everything down. Um, One thing I've also done is like, I've asked my brothers, like, oh, what was this like to like get their memory too, to kind of help paint the picture? Um, because I think one of my biggest fears is like that I'm going to forget my dad because he's the one that passed away when I was the youngest. And I don't have as many memories with him the way my brothers did. Um, so I like to ask them about it too and just kind of go down memory lane. I love that. I have wanted to do that for years, but I am like tiptoeing around because I don't want to bring up painful memories for anybody like I don't want to ask oh what do you remember about mom what do you remember about dad if they don't want to think about it and like and then at the same time I think I'm losing my opportunities like these people are in their 70s sometimes 80s like I'm losing my chance to know or ask anything so maybe you're my reminder to do that that I mean that's no that's totally fair because I felt the same way like for my childhood trauma like I said I don't remember a lot of it and so as I'm trying to heal I've really struggled with like the fuck am I healing from? Like, I don't know what happened. And so I want to ask my brothers because my parents are gone now. I can't ask them. Like, I want to ask them like what happened, but for that same reason, like, I don't want to bring it up, but also will knowing exactly what happened, 
actually help? Like, do I want to know that? I can't change it, right? I can't bring my parents back. I can't take back or change what's happened. So like the only way is actually forward. And will that help me move forward or not? And I think I eventually decided, like, I don't think it will. Like opening up that wound, I'm not really going to get any closure. But then I don't want to make it worse for my brothers, right? Like they seem to be, they seem to be okay. Like men going to therapy is a whole different Mm -hmm. issue. But yeah, I think things are just buried enough now that I don't know if it'll make sense to bring them back up. So that's a very mature step to take on your part. <laughs> I mean, it, it sucks though. Like the fact that for a lot of people with childhood trauma, we're never going to get that closure, right? We're never going to be able to have people say they're sorry that they're not here anymore or that they hurt you. And yet somehow you you have to be the bigger person and do what's best for you. And what's best for me is to move forward. And that, yeah, that's a hard decision to make. The happiness that I have now comes from the fact that I know it was my mom that put me in piano lessons and in dance classes as a kid. And what am I doing as an adult? I am teaching piano lessons and teaching dance. And so kind of like this full circle thing that like in memory or in honor of her, like I live my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to go shopping. That's what my mom loves to do. So yeah, I'm also honoring her memory <laughs> and just looking for that. All the time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, this has been really great. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I know a lot of people, they might not be ready to share their story. And so I hope they find a little bit of validation and at least some camaraderie that even we're not what happens to us, right? Like given what has happened to both of us, it seems almost like a miracle that we're half as functional as good people as we are. Like Jamie tells me that all the time is like for what you went through, I'm surprised you're not like more fucked up. And I'm like, this is like baseline fucked up here. So yes, it could be worse. It could be, but we make the decision every day to not let ourselves become what has happened to us. Right. Like, you know, don't be a victim. And that's hard to do too, because sometimes I feel like I just want to be able to cry. Like what happened to me was sad. I just need to cry it out. And sometimes I do do that. Um, but you can't have too many days where you do that because it, it adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. Where well, thank you can, so much for having me too. <laughs> where can people find you? What's your Instagram I, handle? I am on Instagram at Brittany Benavidez Smith. And my um, website, I guess, for piano is oneinamelody.com. Perfect. I will put those in the show notes too. So people can like spell it and not mess it. (laughs) I know I have a long Mexican name. It's not that long, but yeah. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. I hope this was helpful for people listening. And if this is something that has helped you or that you feel like is an important topic to talk about, please, please, please share this. And one thing I just realized, I didn't know you could do, you could rate the L podcast on Apple podcast. Like you can leave me a review. That has been amazing. Thank you to people who have done that. Um, I didn't know that was a thing until a couple of days ago. I read one and I was like, holy shit, people listen and, <laughs> and leave reviews. So that's awesome. So and I will see you guys next week. Thank you. If this episode was helpful, please share it with your mom, your friend, your neighbor, 
everyone. Help me spread this word as far as possible because we can all use a friend that gets us and that's there for us. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next episode.